Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Every Square Inch. My name is Robert Cunningham and we are in the midst of a four-part series on the internet and its effect on our lives. Last week we introduced things by discussing the Christian worldview of technology in general and the internet specifically. And then in the next three weeks we're going to go in depth in three areas, our sexuality, our relationships, and our minds. These are the areas that I believe have been dramatically reconfigured by the internet over the past couple decades, and so we're going to explore each of them. This week is our sexuality. Now, let me preface this with a warning that I'm going to speak very freely about this topic. I am removing the normal censors that I have in place when I preach, teach, and write. Uh, Not that I'm going to be graphic, but I am going to speak candidly. So that's my preface. Um, Let let me just get right into the discussion because I, I do have a lot to say today. I believe internet pornography has risen to become arguably the most destructive epidemic and health crisis of our culture. I'm I'm not going to take the time to share statistic after statistic because I don't think I have to convince you of how overwhelming this has become. But to help us conceptualize the magnitude of the issue, um, I'll just give you one, um, one statistic. The porn industry revenue is now more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB, Major League Baseball, combined. And that's saying something for our sports-obsessed culture. We are more porn-obsessed than sports-obsessed, if you can imagine that. And what's fascinating about these comparisons, and there are many more that we could make, is that porn, for the most part, still faces a significant advertisement disadvantage. Um, I know there are some sites, uh, I won't, I'm not going to use their names to give them a plug on my podcast, but there are sites that are starting to break through into mainstream advertisement. But for the most part, porn remains taboo from a marketing standpoint. So it's dominating our culture without advertisement advantages. And yes, its domination of our culture does include Christian culture. The Southern uh, Bible Belt states consistently prove themselves to be the highest consumers of, un- of online porn in our country. Uh, 68% church-going men, over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Uh, but this is not a problem only for men. Uh, Women are by far the fastest growing demographic of porn users, uh, both inside and outside Christian circles. Um, It's now the case that one out of every three visitors to porn sites are women. And and that, that distinction is just really important to make because I think women in particular bear a particular uh, amount of shame when it comes to this issue, but it's important for us to recognize that this is an issue for both men and women. So look, we can talk statistics all day, but we don't have to, is my point. Simply put, it's a problem, a huge problem, arguably the problem of our time. And even the word problem will not suffice. It's not a problem. It's a devastation 
And what I'd like to do is explore its devastation in three areas specifically. Three areas of destruction that are coming uh, from our porn saturated world. Uh, destruction of self, destruction of sex, and destruction of society. So self, sex, and society. Destruction of self. Uh, Proverbs 9. I love this imagery uh, for the world of online porn. The woman of folly is loud. She sits at the door of her house calling out to all who pass by. Let all who are simple come in. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. So inviting us into this hidden world where anything goes, this enticing world of hidden pleasure. But the proverb says, Little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. I can't think of a better picture for online pornography, an enticing, hidden world of promised pleasure that ends in our own destruction and grave. The allure of online pornography is much more than the physical gratification of sexual urges. It's a world that promises to cure the deepest affections and longings of the heart, a world where you're no longer insecure, you are the dominant man or the desirous woman, a world where you're not lonely, you're wanted, a world where you're not bored and discontent with your life, you are endlessly stimulated. A world where you're not ashamed, but where your shame is normalized. Everyone is as perverted as you. This is the power of online porn. Not just satisfying physical urges, but the deeper urges of the soul. And yet the cruelty of porn is that though it promises to satisfy longings, it only deepens them. It doesn't cure your loneliness. It further isolates. It doesn't cure your insecurities. It only intensifies them. It doesn't heal our pain. It only inflicts fresh wounds. It doesn't cure our discontentment. It it adds to the restlessness of the soul. It doesn't cure your shame. It only deepens it. And in this way, it acts the same as any powerful drug. Empty promises that never fulfill, thus leading us back to the empty promises that never fulfill until we are trapped in the downward cycle of addiction that ends in the proverbial grave. That's not an overstatement. When they study the brains of drug addicts and porn addicts, there is very little difference, which means we need to treat it as such. When you dabble with online porn, you need to view that as dabbling with something as powerful as crack. When you discover porn on your child's device, you need to treat that that as if you just discovered a hidden stash of heroin. We're not playing games here. It's that serious. It's that destructive. And it is claiming countless victims across our culture. It's destroying us. But its destruction goes beyond self and into the very arena of sex itself. It's like a parasite feeding off the goodness of God's glorious gift of sex and yet twisting it into something unrecognizable from its original design. This is the ironic consequence of the porn epidemic. The proliferation of virtual sex is leading to the deprivation of actual sex. 
there's a feminist uh, named Naomi Wolf who was ahead of was ahead of her time in sounding the alarm on the rise of online porn back in the early 2000s. Her contention was that the ubiquity of pornography, rather than liberating sex, would in the end actually subjugate sex to an artificial screen, and she has been proven right. Uh, In a prophetic interview that is now over a decade old, uh, she predicted that online porn would not awaken sexuality, but actually uh, deaden libido and render us an impotent society, sexually speaking. It conditions us to view real flesh and blood as woefully deficient in comparison to the virtual world of pornography. After all, she says, how can real people possibly compete with cyber visions of perfection utterly tailored to the consumer specification? Real naked people are just bad porn. And when you consider the rise of erectile dysfunction, the rise of over-sexualized youth culture trying to compete with pornographic images and insinuations, Uh, The sharp decline, not just in marriage, but in actual sexual activity. We are seeing a decline in actual sex, which is a first for humans. When you look at all this stuff, it's obvious that she is being proven true. Uh, For a firsthand testimony of this phenomenon, I'll point you to John Mayer uh, as an example. For those who don't know, John Mayer is a uh, handsome, famous singer-songwriter, the type of guy who could have any woman he wants and has had many supermodel girlfriends. But he famously gave a vulnerable interview with Playboy magazine that, to his credit, admitted what had become of his sexuality. Here's a quote. Internet pornography has absolutely changed my generations. He's he's my age, by the way. So Gen X, millennial. Um, Internet pornography has absolutely changed my generation's expectations. I have unbelievable orgasms alone. They are always the best. Once I have to deal with someone else's desires, I cut and run. When I'm with somebody, I'm in a situation I can't control because another person's needs are involved. The interviewer uh, then asks him to clarifying to, to clarify, are you saying masturbation for you is as good as sex? Here's his quote. Absolutely. During sex, I'm just running a film strip of porn in my mind. I'm still masturbating. That's what you do when you're a part of my generation. So rather than meet someone new, I would just rather go home and have my own amazing experience. I am more comfortable in my own imagination than I am in actual human discovery. Now say what you will, but at least he's honest about what sexuality has become in our culture. We have perverted God's design for sex as a self-sacrificial act of mutual pleasure into a twisted, narcissistic, debased ritual with myself, where real flesh and blood naked human beings are no longer arousing. Online porn is destroying us. It's destroying self, sex, and then lastly, society. There's so much I could say here. Uh, the market, the, the never-ending market for human trafficking, 
the sexualization of youth culture, uh, the degradation of marriage as an institution. If you want to talk about, um, if you want to talk about the sanctity of marriage. Uh, then before we talk about anything, we have to talk about porn and what it's doing to marriage as an institution. There's so many, anyway, there's so many things I could say. Perhaps I'll devote an entire podcast to this one day. But suffice to say, we are utterly naive to think that a culture filled with porn addicts has no social implications. We are now uh, 15 years into the rise of online porn, and if the statistics are true, then we are in the throes of this epidemic. Our lawmakers, our teachers, our doctors, our police officers, our parents, our pastors, you name the arena of influence. And if statistics are true, then it's now safe to just assume that many of these cultural influencers are porn addicts with worldviews likewise formed by the debased world of porn. This is an all-out public health crisis. For the sake of time, I'll just give us one example. I applaud the Me Too movement and our culture's newfound awareness of sexual assault. But I am amazed that nobody is looking at the porn industry's role in fueling this epidemic. Do you know what the number one viewed uh, porn video online was last week? By the way, it goes without saying, no, I absolutely did not view it. Uh, But I do think it's important for you to know what is being viewed. Here's the description of the number one video, uh, porn video from last week. My stepbrother brazenly took advantage of my helplessness. And apparently in the video, a young girl is raped by her stepbrother while she repeatedly says, no, stop, I'm afraid, and it hurts. That was viewed 7 million times last week. All the while, we wonder what is causing the epidemic of sexual assault in our land. Has anyone considered that our sexuality is now being discipled in the ways of violent objectification? Have we considered the fact that online porn is a dark and perverse liturgy training us to view others as objects for our own gratification? I am not a trained sociologist, but we might want to start there. This is sick. This is twisted. This is dark. This is perverse. And if you don't think it isn't seeping out into the social implications of cultural formation, you are crazy. We are a pornified culture and suffering greatly because of it. So these are the ramifications of online porn upon our sexuality. The destruction of self, sex, and society. Now, what what do we do in response? Again, what I want to do is offer three ways forward. I I don't want this just to be a diagnosis exercise. I I do want to offer hope. So three ways forward. Um, And let me just tell you what they are up front, and then I'll go through them again. Recognize, receive, and reconfigure. The first step is simply to recognize. Recognition. When I say recognition, I mean twofold recognition. Either recognize that this is a problem in general or recognize that this is a problem for you in particular. 
What I mean when I say a problem in general is that online porn has somehow become an acceptable public crisis. I can't think of anything else that is so socially destructive and yet receives such little attention. And it's flourishing in the darkness of its own anonymity and just acknowledging it dialoguing openly about it like we're doing here on this podcast. Perhaps even God calls you to creatively take up the noble cause of its abolition. Any recognition, any form of recognition goes a long way in curbing its destruction. So just awareness, recognizing this for the destructive societal force that it is. But more specifically, perhaps for you, recognize it recognize it as a a personal issue of destruction. I'm talking to uh, addicts themselves who are now listening. Like I said, this is as addictive and devastating as any drug addiction. You must take that first crucial step that every addict must take and recognize you have a problem. A problem you cannot handle on your own. You need help. So get it. And may I make a personal plug to those within our church community listening. Please let us help you. Come to us and let us walk you through your recovery and eventual sobriety. But anyone struggling, recognize that you need help. A rehabilitation program, um, an SA community, a Sex Addicts Anonymous community. There are countless options, but they all begin with recognition. Second, receive. Receive the grace of God, which is able to make the foulest clean. The gospel, of course, is the answer to every struggle ultimately. But I think this struggle in particular requires a special measure of gospel grace. Because this struggle runs on shame. Shame for what you have done, shame for what you have become, and so you return to your online comfort where for a brief moment the shame is lifted, but then you are left with deeper shame, and so you return and more shame, and you return and more shame, and on and on the cycle goes. And the only way to break the cycle is the only thing that can truly break the shame. So please listen to me. You oppressed souls enslaved by the shameful master of pornography. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you, so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin. Every pornographic image you have ever consumed, every lustful thought or glance you have ever indulged, all vileness, all impurities, the entire mountain of shame that you have constructed was nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. It is gone. Buried in the tomb that Jesus walked out of. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you are no longer your shame, then now what are you? You are the righteousness of God. The pure, spotless, flawless, 
wholesome, holy righteousness of God. You are as clean as Jesus. Receive the grace of God that it might break the cycle of shame that leads you back to the cruelty of porn. Recognize, receive, and then finally, reconfigure. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks of the fight against sexual lust with the most graphic of imageries. He gets really graphic when he talks about the fight against sexual temptation. He says, gouge out your eye and cut off your hand. Now, of course, we don't take his imagery literal here, but um, we most certainly do take his principle literally. We inhabit a porn-saturated culture. It is what it is, an inescapable reality. What this requires is an intentional, radical Gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, reconfiguration of life as you know it. And I'm not just talking to the struggling here. I'm talking to every single one of us. The proliferation of online pornography is such that every single person is now forced to reconfigure our lives if we're going to avoid it. Now, that may mean more extreme measures for those who are addicted. I was talking recently to someone who has gone to the old-fashioned flip phone. He just can't handle a smartphone anymore. And I say amen. But all of us must in some way thoughtfully and intentionally reconfigure our lives to guard our sexuality from this cancer. Like I said last week, a life commitment that I have personally is not to use the device with unmonitored access to the internet. I have covenant eyes on everything I use. In fact, uh, this week I had to text my accountability partner to tell him that, um, <laughs> hey, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of research on, um, uh, for my podcast this week on porn. So uh, a lot of that is going to get flagged, and I just had to give him the heads up because I know he's going to be looking at. Uh, what I'm looking at. So why do I do that? Because I'm struggling with porn? No, so that I won't struggle with porn. Nobody is above this. Everybody is susceptible. You see, porn used to be relegated in such a way that you could do life in our culture avoiding it, avoiding that section of town, avoiding that um, that part of the video rental store uh, where adult movies were kept, avoiding certain areas of society where porn was relegated to. But those days are officially over. And so it requires a total reconfiguration of life as we know it in order to avoid it. And you can work out those steps for yourself with the help of trusted community. But in some ways, you do have to take into account what our world has become. Recognize, receive, and reconfigure. And I'll say what I said last week. If you are a parent, you have to do those steps for your child. You have to recognize this danger for them. You have to preach the gospel of grace that removes uh, their shame to them. And you have to reconfigure your family life in such a way that online porn is simply not an option for those entrusted to your care. 
Okay, I, I'm done for today, but but I, I feel the need to remind us all that pornography will not have the final say in God's world. Every square inch of creation will know the full restoration of God, and that includes, yes, his judgment. Pornographers will answer to God for what they have done to his creation. Sex traffickers will answer to God for what they have done to his image bearers. I know this all seems dark, gloomy, gloomy, perhaps even hopeless. But this is not some uncontrollable development of human history that is destined to destroy humanity as we know it. It is destined to face the justice of God. And creation is destined to be healed by the redemption of our God. Our destiny is purity. The vileness will be purged, and in its place, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It is not hopeless. We are hopeful in Christ. Thanks for listening. Uh, Reach out with any comments, questions, or this week in particular, perhaps reach out for help via email at assistant at tcpca.org, or you can connect with me on Twitter um, at tcpcrobert. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back next week for another episode of Every Square Inch.